Hello, friends. My name is Jonathan Bryant. I am the host of the Edge of the Airy podcast. I have the privilege of serving as the Chief Administrator of Lincoln Charter. The purpose of this podcast is to highlight some of our amazing staff and stakeholders that are with us at Lincoln Charter and to share the college experiences of our guests in the course of our conversation. We all know that college preparation is the goal of Lincoln Charter. It's important to know that I'm a former middle school social studies teacher, so I'm always interested in getting to know others better, sharing compelling stories, learning from the past, and finding out more about the individuals that make Lincoln Charter a great school and an amazing community. So where does Edge of the Airy come from? You likely know that an eagle's nest is an airy, which obviously has significant meaning for our eagle nation. I intend for this podcast to give you a perspective from the Lincoln Charter community. Therefore, each episode will come to you from the edge of the airy. As you likely know, Lincoln Charter is one of the oldest and largest public charter schools in North Carolina. We were founded in 1998, and we have a K-12 campus in Lincolnton and in Denver. So let's get to today's episode and the dueling guests that we have today, both from our transportation department. I'm very excited to welcome Mr. Mark Pate and Miss Lynn Hicks to Edge of Airy. Mr. Pate, for a little bit of context, has been with us since 2013. He is the father of one of our alumni, which is an important thing to, to mention. And Miss Hicks started with us in 2013. And so both bring a wealth of experience to our transportation department and help to literally keep Lincoln Charter running. And so I'm um, excited to talk to both of you today about uh, how you how you help the school and uh, help our families and kids get a little bit of advice about college and in the process. Uh, why don't you both start? Tell me a little bit about yourself, your background, anything that you think our listeners might want to know. Um, I grew up in Shelby. I graduated from App State a couple years later. I was a teacher at Cherville High School for 30 years, math teacher. And while I was there, I coached tennis, track, basketball, volleyball. I think I even did golf one year. I uh, mostly did softball. Mm -hmm. And in 2001, we actually won a state championship. As far as what I like to do when I'm away from here or uh, on my own time, I spend a lot of time still on the softball field as an umpire. Mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time in the gym as a volleyball official. And I also work at uh, Bank of America Stadium for soccer and football games. At night, I like to finish the night off by reading a little bit and spending time with my dog, Peyton. Very good. What kind of dog? She is a Chewini. A Chewini. What, for those uh, who are uneducated about Chewinis, tell us a little bit about that. She is a designer dog, a mix of Chihuahua and Dachshund. Very good. Thank you. Right. Uh, Mark Peyton I went to the uh, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Never heard of it. Never. <laughs> Just the, the, the other, the other guy. Um, I got a, an econ degree, and I started out in, in finance. I worked for Ford Motor Credit, and I worked for Royal Dominique, which is Toyota Motor Credit in the Southeast United States. And then in 1987, I opened up a repossession recovery business. Okay. And that continued on until 2005. And I, I, I merged my company with another company and ran that one until 2010, right before I came to, to work over here. Great. And I, uh, I like to work on vehicles. And I don't like to work on my house, but I have to work on it quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a quite, a, quite a bit of, of uh, 
property to take care of. But uh, I uh, I really like vehicles, cars. Uh, right now, uh, I have a lot of Jeeps, just a couple. And before that, I used to have Porsches and Mercedes. But uh, the my road fixed it to where I can't I can't use those anymore. So I had to, I had to switch to Jeeps, and I also like vintage uh, vintage travel trailers. So I, I've I've got a couple of Airstreams that I use and work on. Very good. I think the the two of you could be considered a renaissance uh, renaissance unit of sorts because a lot of interesting life experiences and varied passions and interests. So that's great. Chapel Hill and App represented. I think you, you may be our first Chapel Hill graduate guest. Maybe our first econ degree too, um, even though I have an econ degree too. And we've had plenty of App grads. If you could both tell us a little bit about your job how you sort of fit into what we do at Lincoln Charter and and sort of how, when I said that you helped to, to make Lincoln Charter run at the beginning, that's sort of a tongue in cheek, but it really is the reality. So tell us a little bit about how you all help to keep us running. When I started in 2013, it was as a uh, part-time bus driver, mm -hmm. as a retirement job after I retired from teaching and kind of worked my way up, became more involved with the school and more involved in the activities that were going on. And as opportunities presented themselves, I have moved up to where I'm the transportation coordinator. Mm -hmm. And that involves managing all the buses, where they go, when they go, how they get there, who drives them, and all that kind of stuff. So it's a it's it's quite a challenging job. Very good. And Lynn, Lynn's good with that because of you know, she fit right into that because of her previous experience with dealing with all the sports and the logistics of the sports. So that was just natural for her. Mm -hmm. I uh I ended up with the uh, the fleet portion by when I ran the repossession companies. I had as many as thirty wreckers that I would be responsible for maintaining, and I had to deal with things, all the risk management stuff, like the wrecks and things of that nature. But it was it was something that I sort of stepped into, mm -hmm. and then um, thankfully I had had a, a pretty good little bit of experience betting drivers, you know, running running and running all their DMVs and things, make sure that people were qualified, right. which is what I pretty much still do, and I'm responsible for taking care of all the buses, making sure all the maintenance is um, is taken care of and documented and that all the drivers, every I have a whole database that we keep track of all the drivers and what they're due for, all their CDL medicals, make sure their licenses are current, make sure their school bus certifications are up to date and things of that nature. And then we handle when we we're unfortunate enough to have an accident or some sort of liability issue, then, then we handle that as well. I feel like you're both selling sh yourselves short a little bit because um, it sounds, the way you described it, it kind of sounds simple, but, and it's not, uh, obviously. So we're recording this in sort of the late winter, early spring of 2023, and the status of bus drivers availability and sort of the general state of having bus drivers available and sort of being fully staffed around North Carolina is not particularly good right now. But in a lot of ways, we're in a pretty good spot, I think, in large part to the the work that both of you do every day and sort of looking, looking into the future. Hopefully our listeners understand some of the complexities of what you all deal with day to day. And one of the things that I see every day is an email that details all of the work that Coach Hicks does for us um, from uh, scheduling athletics, 
buses and shuttles um, and making sure that sort of everything is covered from a morning and an afternoon perspective. And so can you talk a little bit about sort of what that what that process looks like and how you accomplish that sort of digest email um, <laughs> every day? Sure. Uh, it starts by making sure I have accurate schedules from either the coaches or the athletic director so that I can uh, put it all together mm-hmm. and coordinate. You don't want to run. 15 buses for 15 teams if they're all going to basically the same location. So we try to put them as best we can in a, in a single bus to get them here or uh, another bus if they need to go to East Lincoln Optimist or if we've got a bus that's taking kids to practice golf over at Drake Ridge right. or whatever it happens to be. So it starts with a, with a good schedule mm-hmm. and then, of course, get them here for practice and then turn around and take them back. And again, you have to kind of coordinate with the end times of practice might have some finishing at 5, some finishing at 5.30, some finishing at 6 o'clock. So you have to figure out what's the best way to, to make that happen with the resources that you have. Mm-hmm. And knowing that the game might go into extra innings or double overtime or the officials that are working call every little ticky-tack foul and it takes 30 yes. minutes longer yes. and reacting to all those different yes. scenarios and yes. situations. Yeah, I, I, I basically there just address the practice, the, the day-to-day stuff when the game's are going on that is more difficult especially when they are traveling and you try to coordinate getting kids not just back to denver but kids that need to go back to lincolnton as well and you want to do it in a timely manner that i mean you you don't want kids out till 10 or 11 o'clock at night if it's not necessary right well i just i see a lot of your work from the transportation department and i know that the effort that you all put in is very driver and staff centric and very student and student athlete centric and so there is a there's a lot of hard work that goes into that i want to say i really appreciate the efforts that you all put in day in and day out because it just does it does not happen organically at all (laughs) so so we 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 all appreciate that because uh the entire community benefits for sure are there any other details about the transportation department or sort of some of the statistics that our folks might not know that would be helpful for them to sort of understand the scope of transportation at Link Charter. We discussed this earlier. We have about 50% of our students that are registered for a bus. Mm-hmm. A lot of parents utilize those bus stops in the mornings and the afternoons so that they can avoid the car line mm-hmm. at the particular school. More people could utilize that if they if they wanted to. We are constantly evaluating where do we need where do a bus you know that can help uh, either alleviate crowding on certain buses that we have now or that would make it uh, better for the students to, to get here. Right. And the uh, the buses, we like to, to try to make people understand that a, a school bus is the safest mode of transportation available. The, uh, there are 450,000 school buses that transport about 25 million kids a day all across the United States. And the fatalities are typically in the single digits. Yeah. And, and definitely one of the most studied and researched vehicles that's out there. Uh, right. So that's, uh, I know safety is a big, is a big thing that everybody in, who is in education should be thinking about at all times, but definitely a consideration for us. And um, I know some of our buses are not the newest on the road, but sometimes those older models are built such that, you know, they're, they're going to be extra safe because they've got, they're made of metal, everything. Yes. Um, is there anything that you both have been here for for a number of years. Is there anything that you want to 
talk about from an appreciation of Lincoln Charter standpoint. Is there anything that you that is near and dear to your heart about the school? I like to think that we've got a real good family atmosphere here. We've always had a family atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, since since I you know came over here with Lottie, and uh, you know Lottie, unfortunately Lottie's mother passed away, and, and the school was my biggest support system at that time. Mm-hmm. It, they just the outpouring of support and, and the way that everyone came together and helped us out during that time was unbelievable, and I really appreciate. It. Well, we have seen uh, we have seen. A number of uh, families go through life and a number of other things, and glad that as a as a community we were able to be there during a tough time. I, I appreciate the family atmosphere myself. And I know when my when my father passed away a couple years ago, uh, we were at my mom's house all the way in Shelby, and it was unbelievable how many of the drivers and, and you and and others that came to support me at that time. So it really meant a lot to me and a lot to my family. Mm. I appreciate that and uh, appreciate that you all in your own ways have, have felt the Lincoln Charter love. So that's good. So one of the purposes of this podcast is to sort of share the college experiences of our staff and to hopefully help help our students and families sort of navigate the college application process or give it a little perspective into the college experiences of, of our folks. Can you tell us a little bit about your, your college experiences and give us a little peek into what that time was like for you. Yeah, I went to App and um, at the time money was an issue. I had a lot of scholarship money, local scholarship money from the school and stuff, but I had the opportunity, the counselors at school offered an opportunity to me to uh, participate in a program at Appalachian Wit where I entered with 30 credit hours. Okay. So basically as a sophomore Mm -hmm. and I didn't have to take a lot of the repeat subjects you know basic english basic math i jumped right in to the stuff that i needed for my major um which was math and then i ended up minoring in coaching finished my undergrad in three years wasn't ready to work still kind of young so i decided to take that one year and work on my master's in math which i never finished but at the end of that one year it was it was time to go to work yep so an overall positive experience at app absolutely yes overall positive experience i enjoyed every minute of it and your master's, was that through App as well when you started, or was that? The, the math master's that I worked on was at Appalachian. I was actually a grad assistant and did some teaching, and okay. I got some experience before I actually got in the classroom with kids that way, in addition to the student teaching, of course. But um, I later got a master's from USCC in administration. Awesome. So two institutions, and you'd recommend App. Would you yes. recommend UNCC? Uh, I enjoyed the, the coursework that we did. It was it was a uh, satellite program, okay. so we didn't spend very much time on campus at all. So I can't say anything about campus life or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But, and I was already teaching at the time, so but I enjoyed it. It was a good program. In Chapel Hill, the school that I just heard about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell us about your experience. I uh, I got accepted at Chapel Hill as a junior in high school. Okay, uh, they did that back then. That's the only place I ever applied. I didn't, I didn't go on a t- college tour or anything. The only play, time I'd ever been up there was when I was a 10th grader, sophomore in high school. I ran in the 10 can up there. Okay. That was the indoor track that they had where Fetzer Gym now sits. Okay. And it was a World War II barracks type building with a, a wooden track affair that they would actually take the track apart for the pole vault. They'd have to move the section of the track over so the guys would have the runway for the pole vault. Interesting. It was cool. Okay. It was, it was, it was real, it was real interesting. And so, um, I went up there as a freshman and, um, 
I didn't really participate in any of the extracurricular type things like fraternities or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, I had to go home and work, but I did run track my freshman year for one semester. And I just, I decided that I was not a D1 athlete. <laughs> it didn't take long. Uh, I did enjoy it. And then I quit enjoying it because it became almost, uh, those D1 athletes, that's a job. I mean, those guys are running two workouts a day, you know, working out four and five hours a day. And I just was not willing to put that into it. Yeah. But I came back to UNCC my sophomore year, one year, and then I went back up, finished the junior and senior year up in Chapel Hill. And, uh, that was, uh, I had a pretty good experience. I, I enjoyed it. So you would recommend Chapel Hill? I would recommend Chapel Hill. All right. Very good. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, I think that sounds like it would be different than what many of our, what many of our kids will, college experiences will be. Um, well, but, I'm getting, I don't believe that they're having the same type of experience now that, that it was then. These kids are a lot, seem to be more stressed. I mean, we, you know, we got what we needed to get done, mm -hmm. finished, but I mean, we had a good time. Mm -hmm. A lot of these kids don't act like they're having a good time anymore. <laughs> and not just tell how old we are or anything, but uh, we were pre-computers. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the technology does not, does not help with the anxiety level, I, I think. So interesting. Well, good. Well, I'm glad, glad both of you had good experiences. Um, and tell me a little bit about the the econ um, program and how was that helpful to you in your oh, in, in your future and how did how did that abs absolutely because and I've told a lot of people things that, that you know there are a lot of kids and nothing wrong that want to go the path of you know of the blue collar type type job with mm -hmm. a plumber yep. mechanic and they make very good money yep but what I try to tell them is that you do need to have some sort of base to help you understand the financial part of that so that, you know, you're hopefully you would think about maybe having your own business mm -hmm. and you need to know how to run it. Right. Uh, because, you know, being successful in the business, being good at what you're doing is only half the equation. You've got to be able to run it as well. So I've, I felt like that I truly used what I learned up there because my company has been in business, Spectrum Automotive has been in business since 1987. So I've, I've run it. I've run it since uh, since then, mm -hmm. and I feel like that that really that really helped me out quite a bit. That's good. And I think I uh, it was I'm going to screw this statistic up, but it was something like with regard to undergrad degrees, twenty to twenty five percent of the degrees were used directly in the career path of the of the graduate. So in other words many people were, were not directly going into a career path that corresponded to their major. So Lynn would be an example of the, the opposite of that trend where you were majoring in education and, and coaching and you ended up using that directly in your job. But sometimes the soft skills that you get, writing, critical thinking, things of that nature can really go a long way to, to whatever, whatever the twists and turns that life throws your way, different career options that life throws your way. Sometimes those are good skills to have as well. Is there anything in college that you would recommend to advice wise that you'd recommend to kids that are looking at, at different schools and looking at their options and uh, parents that might be helping to shepherd their kids through any, any college advice that you all might have? 
don't choose a school just because that's your favorite athletic sports team. Mm -hmm. That's definitely not the reason to go anywhere because I grew up pulling for Carolina and I never even applied to Chapel Hill. <laughs> never even applied there. My teachers in school uh, that helped me with math, you know, got me going in that direction said, this is where you need to go. Mm -hmm. They have the best math department in the, in the state at this time. Mm -hmm. And this is where you need to go to get the best education. Mm -hmm. So that's that's pretty much why I chose it. It's a beautiful campus, though, but I'm, and I loved every minute being up there. But it was purely, you know, the right place for me. That's good, and they've got a decent football team. And to yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, you know, Chapel Hill it, it has got a lot of mystique to it, but but uh, it I found that that having the degree from there was not nearly as important in opening doors as the relationships and things that you, that you make mm -hmm. either there or someplace else. Mm -hmm. Because after, after it gets, after when it's all said and done, if you apply yourself and you go to, there are a lot of good colleges, a lot of good colleges. And if you go and apply yourself, uh, typically you can be successful, but you know, the, the relationships that you, that you cultivate and things like that are extremely important. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm glad I went to Chapel Hill. I'm, I'm a real, I'm a North Carolina native. I was, I was born here. I guess they'll plant me here. But um, I, uh, so I was kind of proud to go up there because, you know, it, I'm proud of my state. Mm -hmm. I think that may tie into some of, some of the other guests that we've had on the podcast that have talked about their college experiences and how a lot of, I mean, life is sort of what you make of it, right? And you have to take take advantage of the opportunities that you have and create some opportunities for yourself as well. And college is definitely a place, regardless of where you go to school, is definitely a place for opportunities and exploring new things that, you know, may have a significant bearing on, on what you're, what you end up doing, what you end up with from a career path. So good to know that some of those relationships and advantages that you can take, take care of are important. All right, before we wrap up our college discussion, let's talk a little bit about anything that you may have done in high school that may have helped you as you navigated into college or navigated into the into the rest of your life. Um, what are some of those choices or, or, or things that you might have taken advantage of that, uh, that helped to prepare you? I would say sports was extremely important. Uh, when I was in high school, we did not have um, winter track as a sport. It was like a club sport, but we had cross country and, and uh, spring track and I did all three. And one of the things that this, this sports is good in a lot of ways. It, you know, you had the camaraderie with the teams and we, I was in the biggest high school in the state with Miss Post, uh, over at, uh, Independence. Mm -hmm. And that was when there were 2,500 kids in that school in three grades, there were 740 kids in our class and we graduated 650. Okay. A couple things. I look at some of these kids in, around and yeah, you know, we are a small school. Mm -hmm. It's a culture shock to go from here to Chapel Hill with 25 to 30,000 undergrads yep. and you get kind of lost. I feel like that I would, that my particular high school helped me out there because it was no big deal. There were kids in my class that I actually didn't know that went to my high school. Mm -hmm. But the sports was important because, to me, because I feel like it taught me a lot about time management. Okay. Because, you know, with all that, because I was constantly doing it, plus I worked. 
So I had to block out places and focus to get my work done or it wasn't going to happen because there were times that I would get home from a sports event or practice and have to run over to the Charlotte Coliseum and work. And I wouldn't get home till 10 30 or 11 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't figure out some blocks of time to do, to get my work completed during the day, I would have been in trouble. And I feel like that taught me a lot because I carried that over into college and they did the same thing. I, they, I knew, you know, blocks of time of when I needed to get stuff done and it helped me quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I'll echo that with the time management. That's that's one of the important things that I learned too because I was a three-sport athlete. I acted in my church so there were very few days that you know besides school I didn't have something else going on. So you had to set up a time. I'm going to the kitchen table and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to complete this assignment. You know you just had to do that. Mm -hmm. And then also, as far as the relationships, the sports, again, go back to that, you you learn how to get along with people, whether they're on your team or whether they're not on your team. Mm -hmm. you learn, I've made some friendships with people from other schools that way because, you you know, you play them more than one time and if they're the same age as you, you might play them five or six times before you both graduate from school. So uh, that's a very important thing to, to help kids out. Good advice, and uh, that would make uh... – Coach uh, Jay Martin, very happy to hear the the in, impact of athletics on your li lives, and uh, we certainly have a lot of a lot of folks that are active that way here at Lincoln Charter. But good good to hear the benefit. Yeah, and I would say that that's part of what I like about my job as far as doing the sports transportation part, because I do see the value in athletics, mm -hmm. and I want to make sure that every kid that wants to play has a way to get to where they need to be, mm -hmm. so that um, they have that opportunity. It's important, and it's uh, it's amazing to see the um, the the culture that can come from athletics and the the just the, the positive byproducts, maybe unintended consequences that comes from athletic participation. I know it's uh, not for everybody, but great for a lot of folks that choose to become involved that way. So that's good. I appreciate both of you who have stayed involved in athletics in some capacity with your respective duties and jobs, because that um, sometimes it takes the folks that have been there before to help the ones that are, uh, that are learning the ropes. So do either of you have a mentor or a hero, somebody that you, somebody that you look up to that you'd like to, to mention or tell us a little bit about? I just know that from school, when I was in high school, um, one of my math teachers, again, I mentioned earlier, she was very, very positive in, in helping in me to get to where I am mm -hmm. as far as going to, you know, very encouraging about going to college and stuff. But as far as I guess a, a true person I really look up to or looked up to was my dad. Mm -hmm. uh, he grew up one of 11 kids, worked on a farm. He never had much opportunity at education because he had to stay home and work. Mm -hmm. All the older kids were out of the house, so he had to, to carry the load. And I saw his struggles with education, with not being able to do a lot of reading or writing. I can remember going to the grocery store with him and I was the one who wrote the check. He could not write or sign the check. So I had to, I mean, he could sign it, but I had to write the check. Um, but he was a hard worker. He mm -hmm. always provided for us. And uh, I guess, you know, that's, that's what I admire most about him. That's great. What a great testament. And I'm sure he's uh, super proud of how you've turned out. Um, would you, do you remember your teacher's name, your uh, math teacher's yes, name? Yes, Dot Lay. Dot Lay. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Miss Lay. There you go. <laughs> awesome. 
Well, my dad, uh, my dad is, is my biggest mentor as well. He, uh, he would always tell my sister and I that there was that there was nothing that you would set your mind to that you couldn't accomplish. Mm -hmm. Simple, but it's, it's still it, it was. He just never never saw him down. Never a dull moment. Um, so he he's my number one person. But uh, in terms of education, there are two teachers that stick out, but particularly one. Okay, I was here back in 1970. Brown versus Board of Education. Mm -hmm. The big, the big uh, desegregation yep. uh, issue, and I was involved in the front line of that when it first happened. So I was sent to Lincoln Heights Elementary School. Over it was a almost a two-hour bus ride from my house, and we went over there, and it was a very bad time. I was in the sixth grade. It was the the tension, but I had a teacher's name was but Mr. Diamond, uh, Ken Diamond. He was an African American man. And he was just a super, super guy. And he really made the best of a bad situation. Mm -hmm. He made us, you know, the, the, the kids that were brought over there, he made us feel welcome and like we had been there all the time. It was super. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll never forget that. I, that really stuck with me all these years. And he was a good teacher as well. But... It just, you know, sometimes stuff like that transcends what you learn in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought that that was just a, that was just a, a super time over there that he made it, you know, a, a, he made a good transition in places where a lot of that was not happening in other places in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really, I really look up to him to this day. Yep. It's amazing how uh, I don't think, and we've t uh, I've mentioned this before. I don't think that sometimes for those of us who are privileged to be in education, I don't know if we'll ever truly know the impact that we have on the, the kids and the families that are here. Um, and hopefully your the teachers that you all mentioned had a sense of that. Um, but I don't know if I don't know if it's possible to know the impact that you have on all the lives that you touch. And that's pretty awesome. So shout out to all those folks. Uh, I think dads have had a lot of kudos, deservedly so. So good to know that your dads were instrumental in your lives as well. Is there, I'd like to ask our guests if there's any book or anything that you've read recently that you might recommend to our listeners. And I'm trying to keep up with all of the recommendations and failing miserably. I don't read enough, but um, that's always a goal. I don't have one. I really don't. You read a lot of books. I read them, but I, I just read them. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to recommend, though. Okay, uh, fair I'm enough. I'm working on uh, Jody Picoult's latest one. Okay. Mad, Mad Honey. Okay. And I'm enjoying that one. Okay. The most of the stuff that I read are little short, little short excerpts. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm kind of a of a amateur history buff, and I specifically love the Civil War and stuff like that. So I will take times and read articles and i've read books a lot a lot of books in the past like grant's memoirs or sherman's memoirs mm -hmm. and i really like to read those things because that you're getting the first-hand account from the actual man you're not getting somebody that was speculating about what they might have been thinking or they might have done this and um i really enjoy doing that plus when i go all these places that i go i try to to arrange the trips to stop by some of the historical sites to, to see mm -hmm. these things. I really enjoy that. 
Very good. Okay. Got some good, good recommendations there for our folks is so the two of you in the course of your travels, a lot of times you're traveling around together to get a bus or to check on what's going on. Um, and you're driving down the road together. Who, who controls the radio? What radio? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, you know, we, most of the talk centers around the people in Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah. P- political discussions. Right. Gotcha. Okay. And occasionally Raleigh. Okay. And occasionally Raleigh. They, they deserve their uh, due as well. Uh, so no, so no music on the radio. No. No. Is there any, any music either one of you are having trouble getting out of your head? A song might be Rihanna from the recent Super Bowl, might be who knows what. Liz probably listen to Barry Manilow. <laughs> no Barry Manilow. <laughs> um, when, when I read that earlier, the only thing I could think of was we hear all of the music from the gym every day. And I think sometimes those songs will, because a lot of them are from our time. Yep. A lot of journey and, and a lot of songs from that, that period, they will stick in my head for a period of time. Mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of bluegrass and country stuff, which you probably don't. But I also listen to classical music too. But I think right now, I guess if I had to pick a song that was in or an album that's in my head right now, it's probably Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Okay. Because I'm also kind of an audiophile. Mm-hmm. And that is the ultimate test track for uh, stereo equipment because the, the range, mm-hmm. the, the range is so wide that if you want to test some stereo equipment, that's about the best stuff you can buy. Interesting. That makes sense, though. I have a country recommendation for you, actually, since you said I don't like country. Um, <laughs> or alluded to me not liking country. Uh, have you ever heard of Coulter Wall? No. Check him out. Coulter, Coulter Wall. Wall. Yeah. That guy, some pretty awesome, awesome country. So a little bit in the vein of um, uh, Johnny Cash, little, little Johnny Cash esque, but with a sort of a modern twist maybe. So you'll have to let me know what you think about culture wall. (laughs) Um, is there anything about either one of you that, that most people wouldn't know? Uh, probably, they probably know this. I was the first girl at age 12 to play little league baseball in Shelby. Really? Good for you. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) And that's a that's a little uh, that's that's a baseball area. So that's not a slouchy baseball spot. It was, it was during the time where you know women's lib was coming around, and so they offered it, uh, let the girls try out, and I think there were three of us that tried out, and I was the only one that they selected that they felt was uh, able to protect themselves and mm-hmm. perform. And then the the interesting thing was my brother, who was two years younger than me was also playing and he got selected. We got selected on different teams. Okay. But they offered us the opportunity to be on the same team. And he said, oh no. <laughs> 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 so, oh, gotta love sibling sibling uh, dynamics. Yes. So we played on different teams. That was the only year that I was uh, that I played because I aged out. Okay. Wow, that's awesome. I did not know that about you. What what uh, with uh, stickball, what position? Uh, I played in the outfield. Okay, very good. Well, congrats. That's a that's a pretty that's that's a pretty cool claim to claim to fame. Wow, I don't have anything like that. 
<laughs> well, most people, well, most people know that I'm a private investigator. I still am, and that you know that I, I was a repo person for 25 years. Mm -hmm. This is a little different. It's a little, just a, just a little bit different. <laughs> Change of pace. Yes. Um. So I've asked some of my guests where in this area the best place to eat is. Where? What's a restaurant recommendation? that you might have, and you, you obviously don't have to agree. Um, What's your radius? Um, it could include Charlotte, but I, I would say this general this general area. Any, any place yeah. coming to mind? We tried all that stuff. Yeah, we tried all that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, a sports page is hard to beat. Mm -hmm. I mean, and not only is it good, but it's consistently good. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of places we go that sometimes it's great, sometimes it's eh. Yeah. But sports page is pretty consistent. Yeah. Variety. Mm -hmm. variety. And I think their their new locations helped too. Um, you all are talking about the Denver location. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So sports page. Any other restaurant shout outs? I like we like barbecue king pretty good. <laughs> that is tough to beat for sure. Oh, and JD Smokehouse. When when we have a you know one of the buses are in the hospital, mm -hmm. the hospital is Danny's house. Gotcha. That's the hospital. <laughs> when one of the buses is in the hospital, we try to arrange it when it go pick it up on a Thursday or Friday when JD Smokehouse is open up in uh, Rutherford College. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm not familiar with that. Barbecue place. Okay. Yes. That's Josh Williams. Okay. All right. Really he would know. He would know. Yep. And as far as I'm a big prime rib person, so I'll give a shout out to Lineburgers. Okay. That You're the first person that's mentioned Lineburgers, which is a little, uh, little surprising, but... That's excellent. That's good. Good recommendations for books, music, and um, eating. So that's that's all good. Is there anything else that you'd like for our listeners to know about you all or in general as we kind of wrap everything up? I'll just, uh, you guys investigate our transportation program and and uh, we'd like to try to grow it. It's, a, it's the safest way for your child to get to school. And the added benefit of not having to sit in carpool. Correct. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which, uh, the, uh, it's funny to me when I hear constructive criticism about our, our carpool line. And one of the first things that I think of is if Mark and Lynn were not on their game and we did not have buses um, or they were or there were less kids riding the buses, just think how much more of an impact that would, how much of an impact that would have on carpool, which uh, no one would be a fan of that for sure. So, and, uh, and I know that you all are open to questions about transportation and making sure that what we're doing, the, the service that we're providing is safe and customer friendly and all that. So, um, best way to, for folks to reach out to you all is LCS transportation at Lincoln charter. Correct. Yes. Okay. Okay. There's a link on that on the webpage. Yep. Very good. And there's also a link if you want to be a bus driver. That is a shameless plug. And if anybody <laughs> is interested <laughs> That's not asking for volunteers. You'll get you'll get a paycheck from us, and we'll be uh, yeah. yeah. You get to work with us. Correct. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> we'll take you to JD's. There, there is a <laughs> signing bonus. Uh, breaking news right now. Love it. Love it. Well, I want to thank both of you for um, coming on to the edge of the area and putting up with my questions and uh, for telling us a little bit about yourself and, uh, and uh, helping us to understand LCS transportation a little bit. It was 
a pleasure to get to know both of you a little bit better. I did, I did learn something about each of you, and uh, uh, which is good for me and hopefully good for our listeners. So I want to say thank you for your hard work and for all that you do every day for our community and for uh, for keeping us all moving and safe. So thank you for coming out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in to this episode. We'll ask you to tune in next time. And this is Jonathan Bryant signing off. Thanks, folks. I want to thank all of our listeners and subscribers for taking the time to listen to the Edge of the Airy. Like everything at Lincoln Charter, it takes a great team to make this podcast happen. The Edge of the Airy is produced by Jonathan Bryant and Taylor Helms. And Miss Helms is also our senior editor. Graphics and artwork are by Melissa Lasarski, and our music is brought to you by Next Mike, who you may also know as Michael Paulino Albin. Our team uses the free Anchor app to create each episode, which is found at anchor.fm. You can listen to this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Stitcher. Feel free to rate or review the podcast. It may help others to discover this content. This is Jonathan Bryant signing off until next time.